Thank you for joining in our singing this morning. I'd like you now to be a part of our Bible study. Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our study, and I'd encourage you to take that and follow along with us this morning. Now, our title is kind of an unusual title. It is Full of God. Now, oftentimes you hear people, as they use that expression, you're full of it, you think about some kind of thing that uh, they may be full of baloney or full of hot air. Or, but can you imagine somebody being full of God? There's not any greater thing or any greater experience you can have than being someone who is full of God. Now let me tell you that that's what the word enthusiasm literally meant. Somebody who was enthusiastic, they would say, Boy, you are full of God. It was such a precious commodity and such a great spirit to have. I want to show you today the story about an enthusiastic woman and how it was that she brought many people to know our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your Bible today, we're going to be studying in the fourth chapter of the book of John, John chapter 4. Let me give you, first of all, if I can, the story about this woman. I call this woman the Bad Samaritan. Now, you and I know the story about the Good Samaritan, but today we're going to study the, about the woman who was the Bad Samaritan and what it was that she did. Follow with me, if you will, in John chapter 4. Let's begin by reading verses 3 through 9 together. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Well, now the story begins that Jesus was leaving Judea, and he was heading for Galilee. Now, if you know anything about the Bible land, you realize that there were three distinct districts. The southern district was called Judea, the northern district was called Galilee, and in between was the country of Samaria. Now, there were two ways that you could go from Judea up to Galilee. One was a way around the side up along the Jordan River and finally ending up in Galilee. And the other was just going straight up and you would go through Samaria. Now, it would usually take about three days to make that trip from Judea up to Galilee if you went through Samaria. But if you went the long way around, it was about a six-day trip. Now, you may say, why in the world would anybody ever make a trip twice as long as you had to make it? And the reason was because the Jews did not like Samaritans. I mean, in fact, they hated Samaritans. And so it was a surprise to her when Jesus asked her for a, a little water because she said, 
the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Now, the reason for that, if you want to find the story, it is back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 17. We find that 750 years before the time of Jesus, the northern kingdom was attacked by the Assyrians, and they carried the people from the northern kingdom all the way back into Syria for they could be their slaves. Now that in turn then left the country that we know as Samaria with very few people in it. Now there were some Jews who escaped the uh, invasion of the Assyrians, some hidden caves, and some were just old and they were just left behind. But then the Assyrians brought five cities that they emptied into the area that we know as Samaria. And those who were the Samaritans who were left behind began to intermarry with them. And these were people who were pagans. Over in 2 Kings 17.29 said that each of them brought their own gods with them. And when the Jews who lived in the southern kingdom saw that these Jews were intermarrying, it made them furious that they would give up their Jewish heritage to intermarry with people who were not Jews. And so they hated the Samaritans for that. Later you may remember that the Babylonians then attacked the southern kingdom and carried those people into captivity. But then they returned from captivity and they began to rebuild the temple. Well, the Samaritans said, we'll help you rebuild the temple. But the Jews said, no way, we don't want your help. We don't need you to help us build a temple. You are pagans. And so there was real animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so when they were rejected from being able to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans said, we'll build our own temple. And so they built a temple on Mount Gerizim where they would worship. God. Now, if you follow with me now in the story, we find that as Jesus deals with this woman, beginning in verse 16, He says to her, Lady, go call your husband and come back. Well, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, Dear, you are right when you say you have no husbands. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we ought to worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, as time is coming, will you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, I wonder... Was Jesus a bigot? Was He one that, uh, as He talked to this woman, said, Listen, salvation comes from the Jews, and you're not a Jew, so you will not know salvation. You see, what Jesus was doing was that the people of God, the one who had received the Word of God, were those who were Jews. And the ones who had the law of God were those Jews who followed the Old Testament law. So they were people, and as Jesus talked about them, He said, salvation comes from the Jews. And you and I realize who's going to come from the Jews. And that is, it's going to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. So picking up in verse 25, the woman said, I know that the Messiah, 
called Christ is coming. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. I love the reading over in the New Living Translation when He says to her, I am the Messiah. Now, what a shock that must have been to the woman. That here she is talking to the Messiah that they knew was going to come. And that is, Jesus says, I am He. Well, the lady, when she heard that message and saw what Jesus had done, the Bible says that she got excited. And so, in verse uh, 28, the Bible says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. Now, as these people came to see Jesus, they were doing so because of the woman. Verse 39 says that they believe the testimony of the woman. Sometimes I hear people say, well now, is testimony, is that a New Testament term? Yes, it is. And this woman was one who gave her testimony. And by her testimony, she was able to encourage them. And the Bible said many of them, because of the testimony of the woman, they came to believe in Jesus. And then as Jesus began to talk, other people heard Him. And then in verse 42, the Bible says that the others who believed said, This man really is the Savior of the world. What a magnificent thing that here this lady has started a fire and now people everywhere are saying Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now that is used only one other time in the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, when John said, The Father has sent Him and we know that He is the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ, there is no other. Jesus Christ is our Savior, and He is the Savior of all the world. And because of this lady, and because of her testimony, we find that Jesus Christ now has made an impact in Samaria, where people hated Jews, and Jews hated Samaritans. Well, number two, let me ask you this. What was the key to her success? Now, let me tell you what it was not. Number one, it was not because she was a woman. Women in New Testament times were very low on the totem pole of people who were important. And women uh, were ones that did not have any influence at all. And this woman is one who, as she comes to uh, spread the news about Jesus, she was not able to be effective because she was a woman, because women had very little authority and very little emphasis. Well, number two, it was not because of her example. I mean, it was not that she was such a sterling character that everybody was going to get excited to listen to her because of what she was. She was living in adultery. She'd had five husbands, and now she is shacking up with a man who's not her husband. And everybody knows that. In a little town, everybody knows what's going on. And here in the city of Sychar, everybody knew about this lady. She was living in adultery. And it was not because of her stature. 
That is, it was not anything she had done in the city. You see, she came to the well, the Bible says, about the sixth hour or about noon. And this well that she came to was about a mile from the city. Now, most of the women would go to the well in the city, but evidently they thought of her as being scummy. And so she did not want to deal with them because they would often ridicule her. And so she made an extra mile out to go to the well that uh, was given by Jacob. And there would not be other women there at noon because that was the hottest time of the day. So it was not because she was a woman or example or because of her statue that she was able to really influence people. Well, what was her secret? One word. Enthusiasm. This lady, when she saw and heard Jesus, she left her water pot and she went to town and began to tell people, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one we have been looking for and thinking about for generations? Could this be Him? He told me everything I ever did. Well, evidently, all that Jesus told her was not recorded, but she now understood who Jesus was, the Messiah, and with her enthusiasm, she was spreading the news for other people to know about Him. And she could have an influence in people becoming children of God. Dr. Herbert Benson, who is a physician at a Boston hospital where they train doctors for Harvard University, wrote these words. He said, A drug given by an enthusiastic doctor is far more potent than one given by a skeptical doctor. And he said those words in the American Health magazine. Can you imagine what that is? The way that a doctor distributes medicine to you has an effect upon whether it's going to be uh, something that's going to really have the effect that they want it to have. And a doctor who is an enthusiastic doctor, when he gives your medicine, is going to have a lot more effect upon you and the medicine than if he is a skeptical doctor. Now what that means is this. You come in with some kind of a serious problem, and the doctor says, Boy, are you in luck. There's a new medicine out, and I believe that if you take this, it's going to help you feel better real soon. And he gives you that medicine, and you begin to take it, and lo and behold, you begin to feel better real soon. But on the other hand, the doctor says, well, you know, there's not really much we can do. There, there is a new drug. It's kind of an experimental drug, and... You know, you can try it if you want to, and I don't know if it's going to do you any good or not. And probably, even if you take that medicine, it's not going to do you any good. But you see, the doctor who distributes it, and he does so with enthusiasm, it can have a real effect upon you, because enthusiasm is such a powerful thing. And this lady, as she goes into the city of Sychar, she is enthusiastic and telling people about Jesus could this be the Messiah he's told me everything I ever did and lo and behold as people see her they, they catch on to the excitement and they too get excited about Jesus and some of them believe because of her testimony and others they listen to Jesus and they too became believers 
And they said, this man really is the Savior of the world. And they were touched and they were moved because of the enthusiasm of this lady. Now, I want you to think about what that's going to do to us. Think about us as we are trying to invite people to come to church with us. As we're trying to welcome people as they come. And you know, if somebody comes as a visitor and you say, Well, we're glad to have you today. Or if you say, Man, we are so glad to have you today. And the enthusiastic response makes all the difference in the world. Well, this third question I want to ask is this. Well, how can I become more enthusiastic? What do I need to do to become that kind of a person? Somebody that's excited about Jesus, the Savior of the world. I'm going to give you five things. Number one, you need to decide that's the way you want to be. Over in the book of Colossians 3, verse 23, Paul wrote, And whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. That is, you've got to decide, you know what I want to be is an enthusiastic person. I want people to see me as somebody who is excited about the Lord and somebody who is thrilled to be able to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, number two, the second thing, if you want to be enthusiastic, you need to associate with excited people. That is, you don't want to hang around with negative people, people who are complaining, people who are always unhappy about something, but rather somebody who is excited about something. I got on an airplane one day coming from Dallas, and there were a group of ladies who evidently had just been at a Mary Kay cosmetic conference. We got on the plane, and uh, we were heading back toward Amarillo, and one of those little ladies jumped up into the aisle, and she looked at the other ladies and said, Ladies, let's join together. I've got the Mary Kay enthusiasm down in my heart. And lo and behold, the other ladies joined it, and before long, everybody in the whole plane was singing about Mary Kay. I mean, when you're around excited people, it gets you excited. And if you want to be somebody who is an enthusiastic person, you need to associate with other people who are enthusiastic and people who are excited. Number three, if you want to be an enthusiastic person, you need to keep your body healthy. It's hard to be excited and enthusiastic if you feel bad. And so whether that means you need to watch what you eat or exercise or take vitamins or whatever you need to do, keep your body healthy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Honor God with your body. Let your body be that which is strong and healthy and as you praise God and are excited, it's going to be that which is going to be good for you. Now, somebody says, well, what about you, Dick? What do you do? Well, I want to tell you, I run 10 miles every morning. Or 10 minutes, whichever comes first. Uh, but I try to do those things to keep my body healthy because that's the way that you stay as an enthusiastic, excited person. Number four, be an optimist. Now, I want to tell you, being an optimist has nothing to do with your age. You can be enthusiastic and optimistic, whatever your age is. The best example of that is found back in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 12, and the story of a man by the name of Caleb. When he was 40 years old, 
He was one of the twelve spies sent by uh, Moses to uh, Joshua to uh, spy out the land. You may remember that there were only two of them that came back with a positive report. And now the people have wandered for 40 years and all of that generation died out except Joshua and Caleb. And now, Caleb is 85 years old. And he's wanting to take that land that God promised him in the beginning. And I want you to listen to what he says. I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was then. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. Wow! 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was when I'm 40. I want to tell you, I, I doubt that, really. But I do love his attitude. He was a man that believed that with the help of God, he could do great things, and he was willing to do it. I love the plaque that... Uh, is on the wall of Arnold Palmer, the great golfer. And his plaque says this, If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Ah, think about yourself as being an optimistic, excited person for serving God. And number five, smile a lot. You know, your body language says a lot about you. Over in Proverbs 15, 15, the Scripture says, For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Ah, God wants us to be people that the fire is lit under us, excited about serving God. And this next week, we have a great chance. We have the National Back to Church Sunday. And then at 9.30, instead of having Bible classes, we're all invited over to a brunch over in the gym and in the great room. And uh, you can invite whoever you want to and invite them and take them over with you to the brunch at 9.30. What a great day it's going to be next week as National Back to Church Sunday brings in many people. And the more you're enthusiastically inviting, the more we're going to have. And I want to challenge you to be like the Samaritan woman and get excited about serving God and helping other people know about our Lord and inviting as many as you can next week to come and be your guest and then come to the brunch following, Bible class, following our worship. And it will be a great day for the colonies. And that's a great day for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, I just pray you're going to fill us with your fire. Help us, dear God, have the same spirit that this lady had so that other people will really know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. We want to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning, and maybe there's a way we could encourage you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, I'd like to be a part of this church. Maybe you'd like to confess your faith and be baptized. Our elders will be at the back, and if you'd like to pray, there's a room here that they would welcome you to come and pray with them if you'd like to do so. Or if there's any other way, we can encourage you. If you'd like to come, do it right now as we just stand and sing our song together. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. 
he lived and died to buy my pardon an empty grave is there to prove my savior lives because he lives i can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because i know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives